0: Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 16. We've been preaching through John with the help of the Lord, and this is where we are. We preached last sermon, now up to verse 15, and we find now we come to verse 16 of John chapter 3. And uh, I would say this morning, uh, the title that I would probably put on this. I'd probably say, what a verse. What a verse. And uh, I don't believe there's another verse in all the Scripture. Uh, This seems to be the greatest verse in the Bible. And uh, we find uh, there's so much that's involved in here. It's so thick with God. It's so pure with His Word uh, that a man that would want to be saved and being called to be saved can be saved. Right here in one verse. One verse in all the Bible. You'll find God's power right here to be born again. I'm so glad today that we can able to read it and we're able to go through it and able to preach it and able to hear it. There's not many folks in all the world today that can hear John 3, 16. I know in America, we have everything. In America, we have been so given and so blessed that that we take really for granted of what we have and what we can receive. And this morning, how we have a church that we can come to, a building like this, a single building, has air conditioning so we're not that hot. Uh, we have padded pews so that we don't bother the backside. Uh, we, we just have everything, restrooms, and we have running water. Uh, we have parking lot. I mean, we've been blessed, haven't we? I mean, I tell you, friend, we, we have come to a place almost to be rich right here. Amen. And uh, I would say that we're richer than the rest. And, and uh, so we're glad about that. But John three sixteen, we are to take today a cherishing yes. that I get to hear this verse. Amen. So let's stand to our feet. And as we read one verse this morning, and, and I really want you to pay much attention to each word. And I want you to take within your heart to say, thank you, Lord. I get to hear this one verse that's so full of the power of God that the Spirit of God could take this one verse and the Word of God, it could save my soul. That's power. We see right here, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Father, that we just won't move fast and quickly over this mighty verse. That we'll pay much attention to it. God, that we would have, dear God, our all of our attention upon this verse. And God, I pray, Lord, that you take this verse, the Word of God, the Holy Script, the Holy Scriptures. And God, that you make Take a heart here this morning that may be unsaved. And God, you would speak to them, persuade them, convince them this morning of their need of a Savior and of a Lord. God, they would turn from their sin and turn to Jesus. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord, for the precious verse you give us today. Oh, may it be a help to us, even those that are Christians today. May it be power unto us as well. Thank you again for all that you've gathered in this place at this time. I would say, dear God, that we'll never be like this again. All the people that are here this morning, all of us gathered in this one place, I don't believe we'll ever see it again, God. Somebody be missing next time, or somebody be added too. And I pray, Lord, that this be a special time. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The greatest verse. In the Bible. Now, you may not believe that. That's okay. You don't have to. Uh, but the greatest verse in the Bible is John 3.16. I would say probably in this congregation here this morning that there would be the majority of you, uh, maybe, 75, maybe 75% of you would know John 3.16. If I would say John 3.16, you probably could quote it. You probably say, oh, I know that verse. And maybe more, maybe 80%, maybe 90 I don't know. Uh, here this morning, uh, but if I say another verse, would it be so? I would tell you that I would say anybody in here has memorized John 3, 16, the, I believe that probably the majority of your hands would go up, but if I'd say any of y'all have memorized Malachi chapter 3, verse 2, I mean, very few would do that. I could even go over there and Jude, Jude, I mean, one chapter, right? Jude 15, I mean, would you memorize that? But when I say John three sixteen, it's like the ears just perk up. It's like, oh, yeah, I heard that verse. Yeah, I know about that verse. It's the greatest of all verses. We find it's the most famous verse in the Bible. The most famous by and large. It don't matter if it's a child. It don't matter if it's an adult. It don't matter where you are in society, rich or poor. It don't matter this morning if you're male or female. None of that matters. It just matters. That is the most famous verse in all of the Bible. I notice thirdly, that the, it's a theme verse in the church. I mean, it's to John 3, 16. It's a theme everywhere you go. I mean, you'll find, you find it on signs, you ever been driving around Houston or maybe in other places and there's a sign, a billboard? It says John 3.16. It don't have Malachi 2. It don't have Zechariah 3. It don't have, it don't have Isaiah 1. It don't have any. It has John 3.16. Hey, but I'll tell you something else. It is on like cards. When you give cards to somebody, John 3.16. Hey, when you go buy In-N-Out hamburger and you get a, you get a cup, you know what's on that? John 3.16. Uh, it's on posters. John 3.16. It's on t-shirts. People running around with t-shirts, they don't have Revelation 1.15 on it. They got John 3.16. It's on hats. It is in places of on pens and, and other items and other products. And matter of fact, I see it on people. I mean, being tattooed. John 3.16 on their arms, on their arms, wherever they get John 3.16. It's in fields. When you look at a football game, you might have seen one yesterday in college, if you like, ball game or high school on Friday night in Friday night lights in Texas, amen? And uh, you might look in the back and see, there's a sign. Somebody pulls up and says, John 3.16. It'd be in a pro game tomorrow or today. John 3.16. It might be in a baseball bat. It doesn't matter. It's just... John 3.16. And so I'm thinking this morning, uh, John 3.16, what's so big about it? I mean, all the word is inspired. I mean, every single word from from the very beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, every word, jot and tittle, has been inspired and preserved and published by God. But why John 3.16? Why does the world seem to have an attraction for John 3.16? Why does the church use it as their theme? Why is it that even lost people know John 3.16? It's weird. It's strange. It's odd. It's, it, who in all the world has brought John 3.16 to such an illuminated thought? And yet today, the world is worse than it's ever been. Yet today, our young people are in darkness... And yet today sin is more rampant and sin is more enjoyable and sin is more available. I mean, every type of sin there is, you can get it on anywhere you want. I mean, if I find that mothers and fathers are doing less and doing worse Uh, They're less parenting today. We're finding that there's businesses that are paying less. And and we find that even in our education systems that they're they're more of anti-God and anti-Christ. We find in our churches today that they're preaching on Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. We find that many of our times and places that we go today that God is being removed and God is being excluded and, and God seems to be the one who's the enemy of the world today. But John 3.16 just to keep, keeps on going on. Amen. Isn't it kind of odd yes. that everything is going anti-God, and anti-Bible, anti-Christ but John 3.16 seems to be just the, the main thing? And so I would like to just kind of talk about it just for a moment this morning on John 3, 16. And, and I'd kind of tell you about, I believe, why the Holy Ghost of God would place it right here. Well, we know as we've been preaching through John chapter 3 that uh, there was a man named Nicodemus in chapter 3, verse 1. And he came to Jesus by night and he asked uh, Jesus uh, uh, as he goes. and didn't ask he told, told Jesus, he said, Jesus, we know. We know, we talk about who are we, we that believe that you have done all this, uh, all these miracles and all these wonders and all these signs, we know, we uh, know that because we have watched it, we have seen it. And we also know that you have come from God and that you're of God. And there ain't nobody that does this. You're a teacher and a great teacher, a teacher above all teachers. Amen. There's none like you. And so not only have you come from God, but we know that God is in you and with you. Jesus said you must be born again if you're going to just see the kingdom of God. So now there's a conversation being taken place and there is a dialogue uh, that has been created uh, by this Nicodemus. And as he is telling uh, Jesus these things, Jesus in return is reading his heart. He's looking down deep into his soul uh, because that's where Jesus stays. As he looks at Nicodemus, he sees him lost without God. He sees him headed for a place called hell. But he looks within Nicodemus and knows that Nicodemus is searching for the kingdom of God. Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus in his little feeble mind says, what I got to do? Go back in my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, he said, you've got to be born of water and born of the Spirit. He said, you must be born, you must, you, must, you must be born again. He tells him, he said, Nicodemus said, boy, I don't understand all that. He says, how? How? And then Jesus says, I tell you how. He says, you know that serpent back in Numbers that God told you to put, told Moses to put all that fiery serpent on that pole. Mm-hmm. He said, when you raise that pole up, he said, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Alleluia. And that's in verse 14 In verse 15. He says, that whosoever believeth on him, that one is lifted up, that Jesus. Right. He said, they shall be saved. and They shall not perish, but have everlasting life for God. Amen. In verse 16. Right. And that's where we are. For God, so that's how we got here. Yes. For God, and so now Jesus is about to introduce to Nicodemus and all the world how all that salvation can come to place. I want you to notice number one: the center of this verse. The center. Of this verse. In other words, what is it in this verse, this verse 16, uh, that this verse revolves around? In other words, if there was one word or one uh, thought or one person or one power or authority in this verse, if you remove that verse or remove that thought or that word or that one this morning, the, the very verse would just fall apart. There's one word. The center of this verse. Not knowing what that center means this morning, but it means which word in this verse that's the center of this verse that is an anchor that keeps this verse in power, that keeps this verse going about and what it says. What is it, one word in this verse that it is rooted in? If this one word was missing out of this verse, the center of this verse, then this whole verse would have no foundation. It would be just like the rest of the verses. This one word that's the center of this verse. It's what all is pivoting on. It's all relying upon this word. Now, if you have a King James Version Bible uh, this morning, uh, if you don't have one, you should. And if you need one, I have one. And the one that you have that's not a King James Version Bible, I will take it back from you for no charge. Amen. And I will take care of it. You won't have to worry about it any longer. It will be dealt with securely and safely. So in your King James Version Bible, if you count how many many words are in that verse, you'll find there's 25 words in chapter 3, verse 16. Is that so? Twenty-five. So what is the center of 25, which would be 13? So which word is at 13 in your verse of John chapter 3, verse 16? This is only good for King James Version Bible because all the other ones are perversions. And so if I'm the very word of the 13th word in this chapter 16, is called son. Right? Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing in the center of John 3 16? What all revolves around, what all is anchored to, and all that is rooted in, and all that it pivots on is the sun. Son. S O N. Not little S, but big S. And everything in John 3.16 is depending upon that. One word. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I didn't know if you knew that or not. But if you didn't, you know it now. Amen. We find in that verse that without the Son, what could could God do? Without the Son, what could God do? He says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. But what if it wasn't there? God couldn't do. He couldn't do nothing for you. No. There'd be no salvation for you. That's right. God could not bring you to eternal life. No, God could not promise you that you wouldn't die and go to hell. God wouldn't forgive you of your sins. God couldn't take care of you at all if the son was not there in this verse right here. God could do nothing for you. Did you know that? What could he do? He used used an animal. He used a sheep. He used a goat. They did that already and he said that's insufficient. Well, let's just take somebody else that's born. No, that wouldn't be a capital S. It would be a little S. That wouldn't work either. So what is he going to do? Is he going to bring a work in? Is he going to say you have to be part of this salvation? You got to be do part of this. What's God going to do? I'm telling you this morning. Without the son, God could do nothing. Right. amen. You thought about that before? If there's anybody that I'm living on this side, I'm talking about this side of heaven, on this day in 2023, There's anybody so far in my life that I'd want a relationship with and one that I want to talk on a daily basis and one that I want to be near and dear to and one that I want to make sure that me and him are in right standing, his name would be son. Because friend, if God could do nothing without that son, that's the one I need to talk to. That's the one I need a relationship with. That's the one that I need on an everyday basis for me and him to have a little talk. Every day I need to go to Jesus, amen. Every day me and him need to have a little, little talk about something. Every day I need to run to him because he's the very key. He's the very root that causes me to be born again today. Without the Son, friend, you don't have salvation. God could not do. He could not do. Number two, I notice without the sun, what would love do? What would love do without the sun? If there was no sun in this verse, then God can love you until you become a, a heart. And die and go to hell as a heart. God can love you. He can have oozy-goozy love on you. I mean, He can can pick you up. He can take you down. He can move you. He can give to you. He can love you as much as love is all about. Love seems to be about giving. Love is about chastising. Love is about understanding. Love is about caring. Love is about taking you as who you are. Love, it just seems like, covers all things. But without the Son, the love of God does you nothing. Right? You can walk around and say God loves me, but you die and go to hell because there's no son in John 3.16. I tell you, do you love God? I love God, but it don't matter if you love God or not. You're still going to hell. You say, does God love you? Oh, yeah, he loves me. But friend, if the son wasn't in this verse, it don't matter what the love. So I say to you this morning, without the son, what could love do? Without the son, what could God do? Without the sun, uh, what would the world do? Where would the world turn to this morning without the sun? No. Where would the hope of the world be without the sun? Uh, where would your family be? Where would your children go? Where would your grandchildren go? They'd all go to the lake of fire. That's where they would go. Right. What will we do in this world without the sun? Fred, I'm telling you, Fred, we'll just kill one another. We'll just die. Uh, we will just get bigger and fatter and uglier and more diseased. And we'll find ourselves, Fred, in a bigger trouble and problem we have right now without the Son. Correct. That's right. Fred, the Bible teaches us as children, if we're left alone, uh, that we'll just go astray and we'll bring shame to the mother. That's true. Without the son, all of us would be eaten up on each other. Mm-hmm. You think there's killing now? You think there's hurt and pain and suffering now. You think there's abuse now. Just think of the sun that wasn't there. There's many of us this morning would be in prison or in jail or institutions. A many of us this morning wouldn't be where we're sitting here this morning without the sun. Without the sun, it brought sanity in our lives. With the sun, it brought our forgiveness. With the sun, it changed our lives. What would the world do without the sun? You ever thought about these questions? We find this morning, number four, what would belief do without the sun? Man, you can believe all you want to, you're going to heaven. Without the sun, you're not going now, you can believe that you're a perfect person. You can believe that you're very good. You can, be, you can believe that you're a good husband and a good mother and a good father. You can believe you're a good man and a good woman and a good American. And you can believe that you're good and you're this and you're that. And you hold yourself on a high pedestal. And we look in the mirror. You just say, oh, I love you. And you're such a perfect and, and gracious person. But without the sun, belief. What would it do? Yes. Right? Right? Let me say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. All of us in here can say, "I believe." But without the sun, belief wouldn't help you. That's right. Without the sun, the world. Without the sun, love. Without the Son, God. What would it do? Oh, can you see now how's the center of this verse? We find without the sun, what could perish do? If somebody like a preacher would tell you without the Son of God, hey, listen, friend, you're going to die and go to hell. You don't have to worry about hell without the Son. But with the Son, you got to worry about perishing. But without the Son, you don't have to worry about perishing. Don't worry about that. Hey, Amen. Without the Son, who cares? Without the Son... It could be possible that we just die and become dust. It's possible that you can die and our spirit will just go up into the outer space and kind of roam around until we just want to find another place to resist on. Oh, but I'm saying that without the sun, friend, what would perish mean or do? There's no fear of perishing without the sun. I tell you number lastly, is without the sun what would everlasting mean? What would heaven mean? You won't know nothing about it. Do you know if there was no son in this verse, there would be no Bible with the verse in it? Do you know without this son, there would be no Genesis? Do you know without this son, you and I would be as ignorant and blind and deaf, poor and miserable? There's no everlasting life without the Son. So as we see and we look at the Scripture this morning, 25 verses, the 13th word is Son, capitalized. He's the very center of that. He's the very one that it's rooted in. It's the about. It's revolving around Him. It circles around Him. Now I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Is your life like John three sixteen? Where in the middle of your life is Jesus, and Jesus is wherever in all your life centers around. It's revolved around. It roots in. It anchors in. My life is where Jesus is at. Is that you this morning? And if it's not, friend, you're lost without God. You're unsaved. And friend, you're living a life outside the sun. Now, I've already told you without the sun on this verse here, it's just absolutely nothing to look forward to. Well, I'm telling you in your life this morning, if Jesus is not the anchor and he's not what's revolved around you and he's not the center of your life today, you are absolutely without. And all you can do is what flesh can do. And we find this morning the center of this verse well, I tell you, when I started looking at this and studying that, I began to shout right there. I said, Lord, if you don't show me anything else, you show me enough already of that the sun is the center of this verse. Number two, I want you to notice the core of this verse. The core. What does it mean by the core? Well, it means by the core, friend, uh, you are going to be what your core is. Uh, even in the physical sense and uh, talking about uh, health and talking about working out and exercising, uh, you ever heard that term, you've got to build your core up, right? If you get your core up, then all your other parts of your body will become benefited because of the core. And the reason why your back hurts and the reason why your knee hurts and the reason why you're having headaches and the reason why that your neck is out of line is because your core. And so what is the core of this verse? What is it that makes this verse of an authority? What makes this verse a verse that has the very much power of all power? For God. That's what it is. The core of this verse is for God. Without that, you and I could look at the verse and say, well, oh, it's just another verse and it really has that much, not that much meaning to it. But because it says for God, you're going to find that this verse has great authority, has great power, it has great substance. It becomes sovereign, and it becomes a providential verse that you and I need to pay much attention to because it says for God. Because it says for God, I want you to notice what it's meaning is is the only God. Now we find the only God in Jude 4. It says that he is the only God. Brother Keith mentioned this morning about in the verse there. Talks about how he is uh, the, the, in the name of the Lord. He describes the name of the Lord and says the one who has made heaven and earth. Right? The creator of the world. And so there's one God. There's not 330 million gods like the Hindus down the street say they are. Uh, there's only one God, but he's not the God of, uh, of the Muslims today, Allah, who's across the street over here. He's not the God of Buddha, which don't have a God. Uh, he's not the God of any other uh, religion out there. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He's the only God there is. And the only God that there is, in John three sixteen, says, for God. Yes. Now, that are, you ought to pay attention to the verse. It says, for God. Yes. Meaning, there's no other God anywhere speaking about anything, anything about this directly. And I say to you this morning, for God is the only God that there is. Amen. Now, if you're going to pay attention to anybody this morning, you ought to pay attention to God. If you're lost without Jesus this morning, never been born again, never been saved by the blood of the Lamb, never turned from your sin and received Christ as your Savior this morning, if there's one verse in all the world that you ought to listen to this morning, is in John 3, 16, because it says, God for God. The one who has created you, the one that your breath is within you, that belongs to God, and one day, someday, it may be soon, he's going to remove that breath, and for the last time, you'll open your eyes, and you'll breathe on this side, that God, he has something to say this morning to you. The living God. Now, is He the living God, according to Jude 4, but I notice that he is the only true God. And we find that in 1 John five twenty. He is the only true God. So not only only the only God, but the only true God. There's no other God that may be mentioned or even talked about or even thought of this morning that's true. Now, there's a lot of little gods out there because many of us are idolaters. And we worship money, we worship women, we worship men, we worship guns, we worship jewelry, we worship fashions, we worship clothing, we worship music, we worship movies, we worship things, we worship cars, we worship all kinds of things. Amen. Because you and I are adulterers. Now you won't miss that, but you will one day. The fact of the matter is, friend, there's only one true living God. And he says, for God. That's him. Thirdly. Now is he the only God and the only true God, but he is the only true living God. You'll find that in 1 Timothy 4 10. The only, the only God, where there's none beside him. True, without falsehood, living, meaning he's alive today. He's not sitting on some shelf out there. He's not made of some metal or some ceramic or some wood. Uh, He's not one today that you can contain, not one you can put in your pocket, not one that you can keep down, not one that you can have, but the one that's a living is a living God that's alive today. So the God in John 3, 16, for God is saying the only God, the only living God, the only true living God. Is it getting better than that? I mean, I'm, told, I'm telling you, for God, I, it encourages my heart to know I got a verse that has such authority, yes. such power this morning. Uh, fifthly, I noticed that the only true, living, wise God. And we find that in Jude 25. So now, is he only, and he's true, and he's living, but he's wise? Right. Isn't that good? Amen. Wise. Lastly, I want you to notice about this God. And Revelation 4, 8 says that He is the only true, living, wise, almighty God. So my God, He covers the whole realm. He's the only one. He's true. He's living. He's wise. And He's almighty. Man, won't you introduce yourself to Him this morning? Won't you come down to the altar, maybe, and say, Oh, God, I come to you, the only true, wise, almighty God? Amen. I'd say to you, friend, what's the core of this verse? That's Him. <laughs> so I wonder this, Spartan, if anybody would refute this. I wonder if there's anybody who would have enough gall and enough, uh, enough ignorance this Spartan to come up to God and say, God, who is the only true, living, wise, almighty God, you don't know what you're talking about. Isn't that something? See, if you're lost this morning and you leave lost, that's just what you said to God. That's what you just said. If you're just here this morning, you know not Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm telling you for God, and you leave out of here without repenting and receiving Jesus as your Savior, you're telling the only God... Got your hand up in his face. You're telling the most wise and almighty God it ever has been I just don't need you. I don't want you. And I don't care what the verse says, I don't care what it means, and I don't care for your authority. Leave me alone and let me be. That's if you leave out of here unsaved this morning. The core of this verse. John, I mean, God is also identified in in some scripture. Let's go to Isaiah with me this morning and let's look at a few of those before I get out because I want you to see I told you about the New Testament. But I want to tell you that the God of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. In Isaiah this morning, turn to Isaiah 40. We'll stay in Isaiah because I want to make it easy for you. We like easy. Isaiah chapter 40 and look in verse 18. Talking about this God who says, For God, in verse John 3 16. The core. It says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? You need to answer that question here this morning in your heart. Look in Isaiah 43, verse 10. And I'm just going to write in line because I'm trying to make it real easy for us. Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witness, saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Verse 13. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake have I sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Look at Isaiah 44, verse 6. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Amen. One more. Isaiah forty five eighteen. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. God himself that formed the earth and made it. He that established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. Can we be convinced this morning dear children of God. Dear sinner friend. That for God is the core of this verse. He is the originator. Of this verse. Without him this verse would have no meaning. Without him this verse would have no authority. He's the originator of it. Number two. He's the enforcer of it. Whatever that verse says in John 3.16. For God enforces it. He says that's right. That's true. And yes you have to do that. And yes there is an everlasting life. And yes there is perishing. And yes, there is a son. And yes, he's mine. And yes, I love the world. And yes, I'm God. The enforcer of that verse. He is the originator of that verse. He is the completer of that verse. That word far back in John 3, 16. It says far. What that word far means. It means because God. The word far means because and so as you go through the story, as we're being told, Nicodemus and Jesus is having a, a talk. They're having a conversation. Uh, there's dialogue being done. He says, look at the pole, look at the fiery serpent, and every time you look there, you shall live. And friend, of the Bible, then Jesus said, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, and whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life for God. Yeah. He says all that's true because God. That word for means because. Because God. All that I said previously. All the way I said in John chapter 2. All that I said in John chapter 1. All that I started with in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word Word was with God. And the Word was God. We find all that because God. That word for means but. But God. That word for means therefore. That word for means even. And that word far means yet. So as Jesus was saying, look to the serpent and you shall live. Jesus says, yet God. And so we find this morning the core of this verse is for God. We see the center of this verse, son. Thirdly, we see the cause of this verse. Why would this verse even be given what would be the purpose of this, of this verse? What, it, it kind of, in verse 15, it almost says the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it kind of has some parallel things in it. For he says, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, there is a portion there that's in the next verse, verse 16. There are some differences, though. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we do see a difference, yet in verse 15 there's some similarities. Could it be that if we just had verse 15 and went down to verse 17, could it mean the same? Could it be this had the same uh, result? Uh, could everything be as it was as it is now? Uh, the answer is no, because we wouldn't see the cause. Because Jesus said, listen, I put that serpent up there and you lift it up and so shall the man be lifted up. And if you, he lift up, whosoever believeth him shall, have, shall not perish but have everlasting life. But why would God do that? I mean, here you go. You got those men and women out there in numbers and they're complaining, they're gripping, they're being rebellious and stubborn. And God sent these fiery serpents to, and there's many that died. Now God could have sat back and said, you know what, you deserve that. I've been long suffering with you. I've been patient with you. I gave you Moses and you come up against Moses and I give you so many things and so many times of chances and I give you, I give you, I give you, I give you and all of a sudden I'm just done with you. All right. He tells the fiery serpents, he said, hey serpents, the crea- I created you. I want you to go chew on those people for a little while. And they go out there. All of a sudden Moses cries out to God. And God said, this is what I want to do. Now, why would he want to do that, though? Love, love. See, the cause of this verse is that he so loved, so loved. We find this morning that there could be no more dear thought than that, than so loved. His love is uncharacteristic. The reason why his love is so uncharacteristic because if he might have said, for God loved the world, that might be more human. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we say to each other, I love you. Is that right? Yeah. We say to each other, I love you too. You might say, I love ice cream. Yeah. Right? Man, I love, I love, I love going boating. I love looking at the mountains. I, I love, uh, you know, papasitas, chicken, fajitas. I love it. But how many of us walk around saying, "I so love you"? Man, you about kicked off the street. I mean, somebody at church say, "Walk around, I so love you." You're a wacko, man. You know, because you, we don't use those terms. We don't say so love. And though even in your heart, you might say, man, with a, a chocolate chip ice cream or something like that, man, I so love that thing. Mm-hmm. But you don't express it that way. Uh-huh. But here in the verse 3, verse uh, 16, God said so loved. So it brings us a love that is uncharacteristic uh-huh. of anything else that you and I know. Right. This love that we're talking about this morning in the way of salvation it's so uncharacteristic that you and I really don't even say it, but we don't even really understand it. That word soul means in this way. So what God is saying to the world, He says, I love you in this way. Yeah, the word soul, it means in this manner. It means in this fashion. And it's exclusively Godlike. Nobody can love us like God loves us. Because nobody so loves us as God so loves us. Now, each one of us have somebody in our lives that loves us. It might be a dog. You know what I mean? It might be a fish. I, I, I don't know what it is, but somewhere in your life, somebody loves you. But not anybody Soul loves you. So when you hear when somebody says they so love us, uh, you, you better perk up your ears and say, "Well, I need to find more about this so love stuff. Because just anybody can say I love you. But not anybody can say I love you in this manner. I love you in this way. I love you just like this. Because, see, you and I, we love But we we have to know this morning that that you don't love your children like you love your spouse, right? That would be a little weird. And you don't love your children like you love chocolate ice cream. That would be weird too, right? And you don't love chocolate ice cream like you love cutting grass. So if I'm, there's different degrees, right? There's different uh, uh, maybe measurements of love. And so you say, I love here. And so you might take somebody, maybe a, a, uh, maybe a Snickers. You know the Snickers bar? Yeah. You take them and say, hey, I love you. But you give somebody else $1,000 and say, I love you. So somebody would look at that and say, oh, Snicker love? $1,000 love? Who loves more here? Right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, our children know who we love more. I know we want to say we're not partial. We're going to say that we're not, we're not this, we're not that. But you know what? You're just human. You've got to work very hard not to, not to be very partial to your children. Because there's just some children that just are easy. Some children are just lovable. Some children are just go well. Some mind. Some do what they ask. And some just do, you know, as they ought to do. But then some just want to turn and come against you and just be, be a terror for you. Yet you gotta love, you gotta love both of them equally. So it's a challenge, right? Amen, Amen brother. Larry. Amen. Love, but this love's exclusively with God, because He only can so love. We wouldn't even understand if if we say to each other, "I so love you." You, you say, that, that, "Our first thing is that is get this guy out of here." Right? I mean, how would you as a spouse, somebody else comes up to your wife and says, I so love you. And you say, man, we talked to you about this soul stuff. Exclusively God. Not as exclusively God, but it's uniquely God. Not as it uniquely God, but it's particularly God. In other words, this word soul here, it's a hearty. It's deep. And it's strong. So, what I'm saying, the God of all gods, that's the true, living, wise God, full of almightiness, that God not only just loves, but He so loves you. Yes, you. In other words, everyone in this room, His heart for you yes. is so deep yes, and so strong that it it, it reveals to you and I this morning that there's nobody that has the capacity to love like God loves. Nobody in this room here can really come to fathom about this God that can love Love. me and love you. The very cause is to let us know of this verse So let us know that God so loves. Man, if that don't turn your heart this morning, you know how wretched you are. You know how sinful you are. You know how wrong and rebellious and stubborn you are. You know what you've done in your life. You know what you've done in the past. You know what you've done in the dark. You know that nobody else knows. You know today how sinful you have been and how rebellious your heart has been. You're such a liar. You don't ever tell the truth. You don't ever uh, speak in honesty. It seems like you're full of deception. It seems like every time you open your mouth, it's going to be untrue. It just seems like your life is in shambles. It just seems like you're full of yourself. It just seems like sin is more pleasure for you than God is. It seem like church is the least of place you want to come because it speaks of God and the Lord and Christ. It's, I say to you, but that God that I'm speaking of today, He loves you. If you was the perfect person, if you did nothing wrong, if you had no skeletons in your closet, if you had no darkness in your life, if you lived right from the day of your birth, you'll find that that God would love you the same. Right. Yeah. yeah, man, what love! What love! Thank you, Lord, for John three sixteen. Yes. Man, it tells us the sinner tells us the core. It tells us the cause. His cause is he so loved, but his his love was uncharacteristic. You see, God just didn't love. God so loved. Number two, now he says love uncharacteristic, but his love is unconditional. Unconditional. And everybody knows this. We hear this all the time, but the word so would mean uncharacteristic. The word uh, loved would be unconditional. In other words, there's, has no regard. Has no regard. His love is so unconditional. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you did. And it doesn't matter how you are. I had one person one time, I got I was preaching out that little house out there when we first came here. This guy came up and he was tattooed all over and had piercings all over his body and, and uh, he looked like he was a rough fella. You, know, you always could tell by the way they look, right? And so you, you, think, you think that you could tell, you can say, well, you don't know my heart or you don't know my inside. Well, your inside is being revealed by your outside. That's right. What you look on the outside is what you are on the inside. You're not, you're not going to go contrary to that. If you love God, you're going to look like you love God. If Jesus Christ lives in your heart, you're going to live a life that Jesus Christ is in your heart. Right. That's the Bible. That's right. I got hundreds of verses to show you for that. Anyway, so he came, and after the service, and he come down, he said, Brother, he said, Preacher, he said, you almost had me. I said, well, I didn't almost have you. He said, you know, he, he don't really understand all that, but that's the way his terminology to me was. He said, you almost had me, Preacher. He said, but I've done things that you don't know anything about, and so, you know, there's just no way that God would forgive me. And I said, well, let me ask you a question, sir. I said, uh, have you ever killed Jesus? Killed Jesus? I ain't never killed Jesus. I said, well, they killed Jesus, and Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Uh-huh. He, he called out to the Father. I said, if Jesus is calling out to the Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing, and they killed Jesus, and if whoever you killed is less than Jesus, I promise you. He said, yeah, I've killed many people. I said, well, God can forgive you if he'll forgive them. Right. He said, I never thought of it that way. I said, won't you come get saved? I said, I'm just not ready. I said, that's the real reason. You're not ready. It's not because you did some bad things. It's because you're not ready to turn from your sin. Right. Fact of the matter is, this love that I'm talking about has no regards. I don't care if, how many people you have killed. I don't care if you're homosexual. I don't care if you're abortionist. I don't care, friend, if you're a drug addict. I don't care if you're alcoholic. I don't care what you are this morning. You could be the vilest person and the most depraved in all the world today. Jesus will save your soul Amen. God loves you Amen. and it 's such a deep and such a such a hearty love friend he don 't care in regards of anything isn 't that good? Yes. I mean, hey man hallelujah, thank God that we have John 3 sixteen Amen. that God we now know that god 's so loved no regards number two huh there 's no request God he say, he won't say to you, what can you give me if I save you, what are you going to give me? He don't ask that question. He says, "If I saved you, uh, what can you do for me?" He also, you know, also, there's no request. And what can you have for me? Like you know, many people said this before. Boy, if Elvis Presley would ever get saved, can you imagine the millions that he would influence? Puke on that, right? He said, "Well, they say, well, he sung the Amazing Grace." So what? Well, they say, well, if Michael, if old Michael Jackson ever get saved, you know, ever come to know the Lord, of how he could reach out to that segment of people and reach out to that, that generation, man. I said, Man, you you gotta be kidding me. You're not thinking in the way of God is thinking. God's not requesting anything. He's not asking for your singing ability. He's not asking for your your performance ability. He's not asking for your money. He's not asking for what you have. He's not asking what you are. He's not asking any of those things. Hey, friend, when God loves you, he's not loving you with what you have or what you can do or what you can achieve. He's just loving you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's why he can save the millionaires, he could save the bomb. That's why he could save the drug addict and the harlot, and he could save the drunk today as much as he could save the preacher. Right. We're just talking about this love, and there's no request. He don't request of you anything. There's no regards. And lastly, in our close, there is no requirements. You don't have to meet no rules. You don't have to have no codes. You don't have to have no commandments. None of that. He said he so loved. Isn't that good to know that I can come to Jesus this morning and I ain't got to meet some kind of requirement? I don't have to, I don't have to cut my hair. I don't, have to, I don't have to take this. I don't have to do that. I don't have to have this. I don't have to do that. I can just come just like I am. No request. No requirements. No regard. That's the unconditional love. Aren't you glad we have John 3:16? There's an unceasing. This love is unceasing. It never quits. It never weakens. And it never changes. If you don't get saved today, he'll love you tomorrow. If you don't get saved tomorrow, he'll love you the next day. You don't get saved this month, he'll love you next month. If you don't get saved this year, he'll love you next year. Amen. Now, where it comes down to a problem for you, you don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. (laughs) That ain't because he don't love you. It's because your time's up. The fact of the matter is, his love this morning is unceasing. Mm -hmm. You can't weaken it. You say, well, brother, I think I'm just going to go out and get drunk tonight. And that will weaken God's love. Oh, no, that will strengthen his love. I think I'm just gonna go out there and do something here to stop loving me. You can't do anything that He wants to stop loving. You. It's unceasing, uncharacteristic, unconditional. Oh, what is the center of this verse? Son. Who is the core of this verse? For God. What's the cause of this verse? So loved. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We ain't got halfway through yet. I was reading this week and there was an evangelist in New England back in the 1800s. He preached on this one verse for 30 days in a revival meeting on John 3.16. I said, God, boy, it would be good that I would do that. Thirty days. You say there's not enough material in there. Yeah. There's so much more that I didn't even talk about this morning. Just because I'm just not have the capability to. Let's get serious this morning. If you die right now, where would you go? Let's get serious. John three sixteen told us this morning who the sinner is, who the core is, and the cause. I wonder, would you humble yourself this morning and be honest with God and just say, Lord, I'm just not saying. Jesus is just not the center of my life. God's not the core of who I am. And love is not the cause of my life because I have bitterness and hatred. I'm not lovable, and I don't do much loving. How about you this morning? Would you come? And I'll take the word of God and show you how to be born again. You sing, Brother George. Nobody comes. We'll close. You sing. You need to come. You come this morning. For God so loved. For God so loved. Yes, amen. Can you come? Will you come? You don't have to change nothing. You ain't gotta get better. You ain't gotta get rid of your sin. He's gotta come. Gotta deal with all that at the time of your salvation. Who you are and what you are. That's who he wants today. So long. Son. Jesus. He must be the most important. And the most preeminent. In your life and lifestyle. I pray that's the case. If not, then John 3.16 has no meaning for you. You're lost in your sin. Blessed be your name, Lord. Hallowed be thy name. I come. I pray you come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're preaching on Reprobates. We were preaching on that last week. We'll preach again on that here tonight. Help you come back and hear that message. Let's be dismissed, Brother Keith. If you'd do that for us, we'd appreciate it.